Hi, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Chances Podcast. It's been a while, I know, but myself and Billy haven't been able to do any recording. You know, we're at home at the minute, so we haven't been able to get into the studio as usual. But um, we're able to record today due to the powers of the internet. And uh, we've got a very special guest as well, the first guest on this channel. And um, it's uh, Spencer Elmer, Elmo Films, YouTuber, recording artist, designer, anything else, Spencer? Um, th not really, man. I think he smashed that, to be fair. Very good. <laughs> Billy, how are you doing, mate? Pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, oh, getting by, mate. I'm in the parents' office today. Unfortunately, not able to get in the studio, but we crack on anyway. We've got a load of stuff to talk about with Spencer. This story goes way back to when we were at school with each other. So we'll take it back, actually, yeah. to the very start. What actually made you start YouTube in the first place? <clears throat> wow. Well, I started when we were in the same school, weren't we? We were the same class for pretty much everything. I feel like it started when I was like 14. Would, is it, would you say that's correct? Yeah. Something like 14. We used to play, yeah, we, we played like FIFA and we played like Call of Duty like every single day. I think I was just that kid that recorded it. I think that that's kind of where it came from. And then all the boys started to get involved. And I think you lot were just like bigging it up at the time. <laughs> so I thought I was sick. And then, um, yeah, thanks to you boys, I just randomly continued. Um, but yeah, I started making COD content really. And like FIFA videos, not that I was very good, but. I, I remember um, you made an, a channel in the first place, wasn't it called like Menez Bro? And you did like Call of Duty edits and stuff. But I remember at that point you were like going around messaging us like, oh guys, subscribe to my new channel. But then you made another one because you wanted to make like FIFA content. Like you were going to do like, I think you did a pack opening with your brother for your first episode. Yeah, I, mad, it's mad that you brought that up. I forgot about that. <laughs> I can't hide from you that, yeah, I can't hide research. from you. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I did message everybody on my Facebook contact list to subscribe to my channel. Um, I think that's how I got my first 100 subs. Um, and yeah, Menes Bro, the thing is, I the channel I still use, if you look at the YouTube thing, it's still Menes Bro, I can't change it. Oh really? Can't change it at all? Yeah, nah, nah, so I'm still Menes Bro, um, but yeah. It's humble beginnings, it's all right. I think, I remember you, you started doing the like FIFA content and gaming, but then you also would like integrate storytelling on it. Like you, you'd have a day at school, and I remember you made a video on like me killing a seagull on the top field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all for like capturing memories really. And I'm glad that <clears throat> as much as I <clears throat> can't watch it now because it hurts a little bit to watch, there is some funny memories in there, including that one that I probably should delete now you brought it up. But um, yeah. I think that's the most Toby thing I've ever seen or heard about is <laughs> killing a seagull, <laughs> booting a ball yeah. in the air. Wasn't, it, was on, it was by accident, I didn't do it on purpose, I can confirm that. No, nah, you didn't, did you? No, nah, definitely not. But I remember um, you'd do like some daily vlogs sometimes, you'd come into school with your camera. Was, it, was that always something you wanted to do? Like from whenever you started YouTube, you were thinking, into the future, I want to do this on a daily basis in the future. Yeah, I feel like it was, <clears throat> it was definitely something that I've always wanted to do. But I think at that point, even now, I was just like a massive fanboy of like everything to do Sidemen, everything to do like Phase, 
And I was just like, yeah, I am that guy because you guys made me feel like I was that guy. Um, so I just bring my GoPro into school um, and we, we just, yeah. It was something that I always knew I wanted to do, but I obviously didn't think that it would ever take off. It was just making some form of memories at that point, I guess. Well, that's good that it was a hobby at the start because lots of people now might start because they view it as a way to like get income and like build a career. But if you're starting off and you're enjoying making videos in the first place, that shows that it's authentic and everything. And did you always feel like you had the support of your friends or at some points did you ever feel like you were being judged and people were hoping that you might fail at all? Mad, mad. Um, yeah, I think to be honest, I had a mixture of both. Obviously, when anybody starts YouTube, especially that young, or it, back then it wasn't as, it wasn't seen to be a career that you could make lots of money off. Um, so I did get a lot of hate for it. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, there was a lot of um, IT lessons I'd walk in and it'd be playing somewhere or something like that. Um, and yeah, that was, that was peak to be fair. But at the same time, like I had a great, that you lot around me, um, they always wanted to be a part of it. I had the likes of, oh, I'm gonna start naming names, Aiden, Aaron, Dane, like the, the whole, all our little group were kind of like supportive of, of what I did. So yeah, starting off, sorry mate, I've, I've gone on a ramble here, but- That's good, it's a podcast. Are you talking about like, sick? I'm not used to this like, right. <clears throat> <laughs> when it came, <laughs> when, are you talking about like the career as in, when I started or like why I started. Yeah, like why you started in the first place. I feel like I started because I, I enjoyed watching content. I enjoyed consuming the content so much that I just wanted to be a part of it somehow. And I think that came out with making videos on YouTube and like my first few videos are with people. It was never meant to be like a, this is me, like, do you know what I mean? This is what I do. I remember I did those few videos and then I just started making COD videos without a webcam. So I was doing so many videos, and I think it was like a 5,000 subscriber, like somewhat face reveal. And that's when I started doing the more vlog content and showing my face a bit more. But I don't feel like I ever started because I wanted to be a YouTuber. It was just something fun. Yeah, as I said, it was just a hobby. But now people getting into it, I can see why there's a bit of confusion because it's now known to be a, a business instead of a hobby. Do you think it's easier to start now or back then to get as big as you are? A hundred percent, a hundred percent easier now, especially with the platforms such as TikTok. They've got such algorithms that work where you can literally blow up overnight. And I think back then when it came to YouTube, <clears throat> there was 10 YouTubers, 20 YouTubers in the UK that were like doing their thing. Um, and it wasn't very socially acceptable back then. Well, I feel like everybody low key like, <clears throat> being an influencer is like meant to be like a cool thing now um but i don't know if people's intentions that start now are really because they love it or because they they'd rather you know sit at home and make income i'm not sure <laughs> but yeah it's kind of like love island isn't it yeah i don't know i think everyone loved love island maybe two years ago and then you kind of suspect that everyone's just going on there for the fame now and it might be the same with youtube i don't know Toby, you want to start YouTube, don't you? So I'm not sure. Is it? What's your What's, what's your intention? <laughs> no, I clown nah, you, fame. It's, it's very. I don't. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I know you're not on that. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking more like TikTok yeah. clout. Like, 
you know what I mean? Everybody loves like those TikTok boys and I, I'm one to fucking talk to be fair, but at the same time, like you see, the, you know what I mean? Like these kids on TikTok that really, really go for it. Um, mm. I do question if they're all right, but yeah. But then I suppose with TikTok, you can just make one video that bangs and then instantly that you're like out there in the public eye. Whereas with you, your YouTube, you've had to build throughout the years, like build your own audience that are very like mm. close knit. You haven't had like say a viral video that put you out into the public eye. So have you preferred yeah. that? <clears throat> um, sat here now, yes, I, be I prefer that. Back then and like the past few years, it would have been very helpful um to have like a banging video but i've never really had a viral video ever i don't think um which is it does get a bit oh god like what, what's going on i need some like big content but at the same time i'm quite happy with the like slow and gradual growth because i feel like people have like grown up with me in a weird way <clears throat> i've been doing this for like six years now so the people that like subscribed when i was making videos of you lot can look at me, like the whole growth, like I've weirdly grown up online. That, that shows that I guess you've stayed true to yourself though. And that you, if you were to make a video that was completely uncharacteristic, but you knew it was gonna like get a load of views, but then you might also receive a lot of flack for it. I suppose it's good in a way that you haven't gone down that path as like many YouTubers do. Thank you, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's this whole con construct of clout stresses me out so much do you know what i mean i feel like people people get lost in in what they're doing and i think numbers and like i don't know i have a very interesting for, for someone that does like youtube i'm very like distant to to the gate the game if that makes sense um and as you as you said yeah this whole clout thing you makes people do weird things um and make content that clearly isn't themselves but yeah I guess I'm <laughs> I'm glad I'm still making Amigo videos. <laughs> Is there a day that you kind of remember getting your first kind of payment <clears throat> from YouTube? Yeah, 100%. And I spent it, I think I spent it all in one day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I must have been, I want to say 16. I think I made like my first 500 pounds from like a deal that for some, I don't even know how I got that back then. Um, but I remember that day I went to Flannels in Plymouth and just spent all the uh, all the money instantly. But yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good day. It was a good day. But yeah, did it feel like a big change for you at that point? Um, well, uh, the thing is, I didn't. I've even now, like, I I didn't believe it was real. So I kind of like. I didn't even think, oh, like, I'm going to be continuously, like, well off. It was more like, how have I finessed £500 off this random man from, like, Nottingham or something? But, yeah, no, I didn't, I, I didn't think, oh, like, this is going to be a big change. Didn't you have um, a manager or like, you were in a, a part of, like, a talent agency at the time, weren't you? With, like, a load of other up-and-coming influencers. Like, how did that come about in the first place? Because I remember that yeah. when we were at school. Just this random, yeah. That must have been so weird to watch. Like, um, <laughs> I, I started like connecting a lot via, like you now. There was like a you now platform which was like live streaming and stuff. 
and you'd get loads of people that did YouTube that had like two, three, four thousand subscribers did meetups. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of got, went to one of these meetups one day in Birmingham and met all these other influencers. And then I kind of got signed to one of the managements that did that and they kind of take us around the UK and like meet fans and interact. And that's kind of how I push myself into networking and like meeting other creators and stuff like that. But yeah, that was when I was like 15 or 16. Looking back, I'm like, I shouldn't have really done that. It's a bit weird. But at the same time, it, I guess it helped. That's the thing, you had to do the networking when you're like a smaller channel coming up because you're trying to like not take from other people's audiences, but you're trying to like show yourself <clears throat> to the world, aren't you? So I guess the importance exactly. of um, networking really can't be like undervalued at all. No, it's, yeah, I know it's very cliche, but it literally is who you know. And I feel like if you can speak to someone and you net, you get almost someone on a genuine human level, it's the most important thing when it comes to business or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I w that's what I'm saying. I wish we had this platform of TikTok where you can blow up overnight because then I wouldn't be running around trying to meet other people and like, do you know what I mean? It seems a bit old school in a way. Did you ever have any like bad experiences of meeting these new people? Like, or you had to make a video that you felt was like reinforced <clears throat> and you were just like, oh, I don't want to upload that. I, I feel like this is, yeah, I, the videos I made back then were awful, like shocking. Um, I'm talking, do you know what I mean? Like really cringy content. But I feel like my ego at that point was just the largest ever, or the largest it's ever been when I had like eight or nine K subs because all of a sudden I had this random attention because of the meetups, not, not from online, that I was just in that headspace of, oh, I can make really cringe content if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I feel like now looking back, I was like, yeah, I should have not done that. But then I suppose from those experiences, you know, like the audience, you're sort of forming like your demographic. Like, did you ever feel a responsibility to act a certain way when you're meeting these people in person, like, even if you're not maybe feeling the vibe at the time? Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> 100%. I think interacting with your audience is, is really weirdly powerful. Like when you when you meet viewers, it, it does make you realize, it's like seeing who you're actually interacting with and like who actually knows you. But at the same time, when you're on an off day or there's something, do you know what I mean? Where it doesn't feel right, it is really, you, it, it's, it's mentally straining, I guess. Do you feel you like you have I mean, to actually. put on an act when you do that or do you just be honest with them? <clears throat> yeah, it is, uh, yeah, it's an, it's an act. I wouldn't say it's an, like an act out of character, but it is definitely like an extended version of yourself. Because if, if this person watched your content, even if someone, do you know what I mean? If someone watches your content, they know you two for how you are on your podcast. They don't know you on a human level. And I feel like that's something that people get confused with. So if they come up to you and like, you've made a joke and then they try and join in on the joke or something. And you're like, wait, I don't, I don't actually know this person. Like I've had girls come up to me and like, try and say something. Because in my friendship group, we will take the piss out of each other. So I, then when you get a random 16 year old girl come up to you and she takes the mickey out of you and you're there like, <laughs> like what? Like, <laughs> then, it, then it becomes a bit sticky, but yeah, I don't know. It, it is a bit of a pressure, yeah. Is that a bit stressful as well? Like people having this preconception of you, is it like 
Do you feel any person that you see that might be looking at you thinking, oh God, they're judging me right now? Yeah, every, I think it's every single day as well. Um, it's like, even when you're walking on your own, like yesterday I was walking home from co-op and normally I, there's like a, there's a viewer that works, uh, that serves me at the till. <clears throat> and you just like walking out of co-op, I don't know, you, you just feel like, you know, if, if I was to have a conversation right now with this person, I'm not holding two co-op bags, like looking, do you know you just don't feel yourself in it? But yeah, it's definitely a pressure to look, especially like look like I, do you know what I mean? Like you do on videos and like, like act that certain way. But when you're, even when you're out and you're drunk or something, mate, it's, it's just a bit like. Do you remember when, um, I think it was over a year ago, I think we were clubbing and extra, like I bumped into you and you were saying like, it was stressful because like in previous years, you'd been able to go to the club and relax somewhat. Whereas this time like, mm. you had your hood up and you would like sort of trying to make sure people like didn't know who you were because in our local area, people do know who you are because not many people do YouTube and like will have mm. a following like you do. So does that kind of like take away from things that you would usually enjoy? Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. Like going to that club, that experience I was speaking to you about is nuts because if you think in our heads, it's like, oh, I used to go to that club every weekend with you and we used to take the mic and like have the funnest time. And then you go away for a year and you start making videos in your room and then you come back, still the same person, but everyone's got this like thing in their head that they think, do you know what I mean? It's weird what a number can do to people's view of you. And like, I'd be walking around that club and had random girls like yanking my beanie off. And it's like, like, oh, like, like how you, do you know what I mean? Oh, it was horrible. But and yeah, I guess it does limit, unless you're a really confident person, which I'm not, but <laughs> it's just, yeah, it does put a bit of a cap on where you can feel comfortable, I guess. What do you think um, kind of the public's perception of you is from your videos? Mad, mad. Um, deep. Deep, I love that. Um, <laughs> There's, there's, I reckon there's, there's definitely two. I feel like there's people that, for the people that see me on the, on the surface, uh, probably dislike, dislike me. Um, I make TikTok videos, do you know what I mean? I don't blame you, but it's, I think the people that watch my content hopefully understand that I like to have open conversations about mental health, talk about things that are, um, do you know what I mean? Like real, real things to break that fourth wall and connect with the audience in a different way. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, it, it, I, I don't know how they look at me, but I know that the people that do see me on the surface really do dislike me. And I think the people that want to get to know a bit more, hopefully understand that I'm trying to make some sort of change. Why, why do you think they dislike you? Um, I don't think there's anything, you know, compared to most other YouTubers or TikTokers that I've seen, you seem one of the nicest, so. Thank you, man, I appreciate that. It's just, it is, I think it just comes with um, TikTok, how do I explain? You, you know, I think Toby knows, I'm not someone that would ever, out of choice, sit and lip sync a song. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some things you have to kind of 
be smart with and like and that's one of the things you kind of have to do to to keep do you know what I mean keep the relevance going and like keep get a new audience in it of a way but I just feel like when when people see it as surface level especially in the wave house you know <clears throat> this white kid right in this big house making tiktok videos and lip-syncing he's got all these different things when you look at that during a pandemic you're like fuck this kid that, it, it's it, it, it to be fair like i get i do get it but when hopefully if they look as i said look deeper then they'd understand that there's there's more messages there and i worked do you know what i mean previous to get there and stuff like that but do you do you think you kind of are you quite aware of your audience like obviously you have a lot of uh fans that are girls and maybe a younger demographic i don't know but are you aware of that and do you make content for that like you said or is it kind of a mix of both yeah it, it's 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 a struggle almost i say it's a struggle i'm very blessed but it's my demographic is 91% female, which is, gets a bit frustrating when, when you've got passion projects like the music and the clothing, and you know that they're not, they don't, they don't, they don't care. They really don't care about that side, but that's what makes you happy. But then you've got this content that you've got to make to keep them happy. And it's that balance of like, you know, is this fulfilling me? But is it is it doing well? And I think it's just trying to find the the middle ground. And so, like when you faced um, maybe controversies, I don't think you really had many anyway. But I guess with the Wave House, you had certain people, certain big YouTubers, like, um, maybe giving you stick and like starting to make videos about you. Did you embrace it as all publicity is good publicity, or was it mentally taxing on you? Mad. Um... <laughs> I think the content that was made by these said YouTubers, <clears throat> I was very blessed to be around people that have been through controversies. Um, so it was helpful to get advice of like how to detach yourself from that character because like Jackmate, right? Jackmate's made this video. He's talking crap about me and everything like that. And then I look at my phone and instantly I've got a hundred YouTube comments coming into my previous video calling me this, that, this, that, this. And that it, at the moment you're like, how oh, that's so funny. But when you do sit there at bed, you go, oh shit, like this is, this is, this is deep. I've got random people calling me this and saying that I look like this and all this stuff. It does get, uh, yeah, it's, it's very mentally, everyone's got a place to say something but it depends how much you kind of let that hit you. So I guess you've got to have a tough skin, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, but I think the, the main part is learning to detach yourself from that character. Do you think you're, sorry, um, do you think you've developed a tough skin through doing YouTube or do you think it's just been growing up or did you start with that? Um, I think I've I've had to, yeah. I think I've had to. I'm not really the most like solid, like brave, outgoing person, especially online. So I've had to just kind of get used to it. But I feel like I speak on my like Instagram and stuff a lot about 
they they don't the people that do dislike what you do don't actually care enough to care about what you are as a person do you know what i mean i don't feel like jack mate or anyone like that actually knows who i am or what i do they just find a piece of content take the piss and have to move on so when you see it like that it's like oh okay i get it i'm not too offended but yeah when it's in your personal space like your socials it does get a bit taxing do they ever kind of message you or follow up from that like jack mate if he makes something that's could be quite damaging towards you uh well as soon as that video came out he blocked me on twitter and instagram so i couldn't really say anything anyway but <laughs> i just yeah i don't get it man it's just such a negative space on the internet but it's it's funny but at the same time i'd love to have a conversation with him and be like you know did your content make you happy like do you know what I mean? I guarantee you wouldn't act the same way if it was like in person, I don't think. He knows like his, what his audience, what they want. It's all about negative news, negative news sales sort of thing. So I think possibly he'd act in a different way in real life because he'd be thinking, you know what, this isn't really like a huge issue to me personally. It's just he knows what's going to get him views. And that's part of the game. And that's what I was saying earlier about intentions and like creators just, it's, it's all part of the game. and. That's why I don't really enjoy the game that much. And I just prefer just staying to the side a little bit. But Where do you see your future with the with YouTube and videos? Do you want to go into TV or anything different? Mad. Um, I think I enjoy making content on YouTube. It's kind of a hard place at the moment because we're, obviously we're all stuck inside. So motivation and like creativity is just difficult. But looking to the future, I like to make content and YouTube videos, hopefully less religiously, the, the older I kind of like get um, and focus on things that f actually fulfill, fulfill me in a weird way. Like YouTube, I've, I've been on this pr platform now for like seven years and as much as I still love it, it's not something that, that I'm getting excited about every day. <clears throat> so I need to have that, whether that's making music or just having fun and trying to use the platform to move in a different direction and just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm generally not too sure, but I've got some projects and some ideas that hopefully will put me into a less background seat. Um, Cause I think the goal is in a few years is to literally, I've never actually said, said this. Um, just the goal is basically by the time like 27, 28, just delete my social media apps and be like, yeah, completed it and then just have a few years off the internet um but yeah until that time comes there's still a lot of work to do is that to sort of focus on these passion projects like originality is rare which you started i remember didn't you go to la and was that like the defining moment where you thought you know what i'm going to drop out of college i'm going to start pursuing these things that i really want to do rather than conforming to the system and doing what everyone else thinks i should be doing yeah, I think that was my big, like, I'm going to do this moment was I broke, I think it was college. <clears throat> I went to college and then went to LA actually. And then it was just like a, obviously coming from Timmouth and then seeing this random beach on LA at 16, I was like, like, like life is just so mad. Um, and I think I was just like, yeah, that was my... That's why I made the decision to drop out of education. And obviously it was a huge risk. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't making money that much. I wasn't making enough to support myself. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start like a, a brand or like a, 
or something that I can take with me on this journey. So it's not just like, oh, it's about me. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the clothing brand, but that, that was the moment, I guess. How did your family react when you kind of chose to drop out and start YouTube? Well, it, was, it wasn't an easy conversation and it took a few attempts, to be fair. <clears throat> I think it was more because I was like, oh, I'm going to drop out and I'm eventually going to move to London. But at that point, my mum was like, no, like, why? Like, what? No, you're not. Like, what What? What are you going to do? Like, how are you going to get to London? Um, but to be fair, after a few conversations, they were just very supportive of that. Well, they saw the work that was going into it. They saw it was more than just a just a random, why is my son chilling in his room so much? But yeah, they, they were super supportive and still supportive. So I'm very blessed to have that because I don't feel like traditionally that was something that was very accepted back then to do. But I guess that showcases your really close relationship with your mum. I know you talk about her a lot on videos, made videos with her a lot. Has her support always egged you on to try and do more, to achieve more? Yeah, 100%. I think... <clears throat> It, it's it's more the motivation of because she let me have that that you know drop out do do your thing I've always felt like I've some subconsciously got to like prove to her that I, I'm still going like this is still happening and then it's nice to like bring her with with me on this crazy thing as well um, but yeah she's a big big motivation to be fair and it's also yeah it's just nice to to be reminded of that situation where she kind of let me free and let me do my thing. Definitely. And with the clothing, the message behind it, originality is rare, is that you want to uh, show people that they can do what they want, they can express themselves, follow their dreams and everything. Does that also link into the music as well? And these passion projects, do they now preside over your YouTube channel content as well? Um, well, uh, so I feel like the, it's a hard one because you've got, as I said, the YouTube, which is the main like income and that's my business in a way. And it's something that I do obviously enjoy making content for, but these passion projects are stuff that actually fulfills me. It makes me wake up and go, you know, I'm actually excited because when your passion becomes your job and it becomes regulated and there's, there's rules to it now and you've got to be doing it, it takes the fun out of it if I'm going to be honest. Um, so you need to have something that gets you excited because I'm in this point now where I like, these passion projects are just hobbies, if that makes sense. Um, I'm, yeah, so I feel like juggling it all does get a bit frustrating because uh, you've got, you've got upload every single week, but you've also got the, the branding content and the business behind it. And then you've got this clothing company that you're trying to sort out and make sure everything's running well with that, which is a full job in itself. And then the music, I'm trying to be in the studio three or four times a week. So trying to juggle all those things, especially during a pandemic is not great. Um, but yeah, timing wise, I'm trying to do it like 50-50. Um, but yeah, it's not always that, it's not always that. And it does end, something ends up slipping or like slacking a little bit. How has the pandemic um, kind of affected your YouTube or content creation? It's just limited what's able to do. Um, and it's also, I don't know about you guys, about feeling like just less creative, like less motivated. And it's a great time to plan 
but when you when you don't know what, what you're like planning for when you're planning for it just kind of puts you in a box a little bit and i think not being able to collaborate and just being sat in the same room and then filming every week there's not really much going on so you don't feel like there's there's much to talk about really and it also makes you a bit of a i feel like it, the pandemic's maybe more like socially awkward i don't know if you guys can relate like just trying to we're have, pretty awkward like, anyway <laughs> <laughs> same mate honestly i think even like now before i film a video i'm like oh like i don't really know how to to talk or communicate um so yeah i feel like hopefully well that, that's the biggest thing that i feel like is affecting me pandemic wise and obviously not being able to just be around other creatives is limiting in itself because i'm sure you probably get like a lot of criticism um for the job as like people seem to be jealous of youtubers a lot but i think it's probably one of the hardest jobs to have carried on during the pandemic because you've got to be so energetic, so up for it all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know how that's how that's been. Is are you hoping that you can kind of move through it and carry on growing? Hopefully, hopefully that's the, that's the thing. But you're so correct. Like you're meant to be this positive source of. It's it's late. It's almost like escapism. Like my job is almost like creating a place where people can come for 10 minutes and escape and leave their reality and kind of just be distracted for 10 minutes and leave the video with some sort of emotion. But when you're feeling shit, then it's like, how am I meant to be this positive person? And I think the one thing that I found has helped is just being vulnerable and being open and just speaking about these things. Cause instead of being that guy that's like, yeah, we're seven weeks into this third pandemic and you should be so happy. It, you just got to laugh and be like, look, like this is actually shit. And like, you know, we're all feeling a bit, bit like this, but I think that's the only thing that's like helping me feel a bit more sane when it comes to creating positive content. And I think people respect you more for that as well, showing that you're authentic and you're not okay in those moments. Thank and I guess the music also offers you a sort of like self therapy in the way that you're able to put all your emotions out there and you're not holding anything in and people will really respect that. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I feel like music is, it, as you said, it is almost sort of a weird therapy in a way. Like I, I, I'm, I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh yeah, I make, I make, I'm a musician. Um, but it's just a nice way to be like, oh, like if you want, if you want to listen, this is just another extension of more me instead of the Elmo if that makes sense but yeah it's just a it's just a bit of fun that's a great expression really so you're balancing these passion projects with also your youtube creation as well how did the wave house come into the, all of this into your world and how did it come about who suggested it to you did, was it planned for ages it was something that came up um so there's eloise and jimbo who originally had a management called yoke um and they came up with the idea of, hey, like, we need to start a house in the UK and no one's doing it properly. Um, and they actually called Millie and Kami one evening and I was just in my room playing Xbox or something. And then they were like, look, they went to their management, pitched a house, and then the management straight away were like, yeah, we'll fund this. So then it was like, oh, okay. So I just had Kami and Millie come into my room like, this is it, this is the opportunity. It's gonna be a house, this is the budget. Um, like, I, you need to be involved, basically. These are the people. And then 
we hopped on a call and this was when lockdown first first started so we had a phone call with the whole team and then yeah we just started planning for i think it was about three or four months prior before moving in uh was the wave house was planned for like on zoom um and we just kind of went through like the launch strategy which was like the mask reveal thing so <laughs> that was all, that was all like our strategy plan that we were working on to and the plan was to kind of hit 100k followers in three months um uh because it was a f which was f mate it was it was a it was a madness to be honest um but yeah that it was basically this is an idea it's locked down we might as well give it a go um we've got a three month lease like what can we do with it and yeah it was basically just to get to 100k followers and then the story just went a bit a bit mad from there but yeah that's kind of how it came about i think that was the first time i saw you because i was showing toby these tiktoks of the the wave house like oh, this is pretty like i don't know it's quite <laughs> what yeah, is this <laughs> not like in a, a rude way but it was yeah. quite intense and i wasn't really sure what the idea was it or behind it was and he was saying oh i know this guy yeah, yeah. did you know that spencer was going to be in it toby no, I, I hadn't really gone on TikTok that much. And I remember you came into my room and you were like, oh, have you seen this? And then I recognised um, Carmi and Millie and people like that. I was just like, wait a minute. And then I thought, oh, Spencer will probably come up in a second. And then I saw the amount of views on it and I was like, what the hell? And then I actually realised that you were in it. Yeah, but th that's the thing though. The fact that you said that I rate so much because that was, that was our like purpose was to be like, have you seen this? Like, what the, like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, like it, it was that, yeah. It was like, how, how the hell can you pull in an audience? So, like, do you know what I mean? By thinking you're like, basically, like, what is this? It's just the shock factor, and I think that's that's it, it worked in a weird way. It, it obviously brought a lot of negative attention, but yeah, yeah. But I rate the honesty. Talking of the negative attention, we've um, I remember I spoke to you before about that Vice interview that you had. Were you yeah. expecting? her to come at you with all those questions and she was like referring to it in a very derogatory tone were you expecting that nah so when she first arrived we were just like our oh, vice is coming around to film like a section for their snapchat show and their youtube channel so we were like oh that's sick like of course come round. we'll set up a day <clears throat> and then she came over and i personally actually sat with i filmed with that woman for a good hour just us two and the cameramen doing a house tour so I took her around the house and everything for an hour on film and she was so nice to me we did this whole hour section of me giving her a house tour and then we all had lunch sat down and then she's like oh like ready for the interview she was chatting to us whilst eating lunch like about how much she loves what we do and then the cameras came on and it was just it was a shit show it yeah <laughs> luckily to be fair we have at that time we had a PR team um, who basically plan for interviews like that. So in the morning of that day, we had like one-on-ones with the PR basically being like, we feel like they're gonna ask you all of these questions. Like these are the replies you should have. So it was almost like a strategy game. And to be fair, our PR team guessed every single question that she did ask. So we managed to have some answers. Otherwise it would have been an absolute yeah, it would have been a mockery if we didn't revise. But yeah, I didn't expect it at all. Do you get annoyed with people kind of bringing up any political um, 
stance or anything because it's not really relevant to your career or your videos is it so i don't i don't know how you felt about her focusing on that so much yeah i feel it's like i've got do you know what I mean? i've got nothing to hide um but i feel like as you said it's just not relevant to why that person was here but i feel like when it comes to interviews like that they already had a, the storyline before they even stepped in the door so they already knew what, what they wanted to get out of it and the fact that they went for that direction was obviously you could see how they painted it they successfully painted it how they wanted to um and it's just like yeah but i don't think yeah politics and everything like that i just feel like everyone should do their research have a private opinion and do that i don't think it should be something that's shared on such a big platform mm, you also do you think she came in oh sorry you go no no you go no you go this is the thing with Zoom. I don't want to keep interrupting. Yeah, you go on. Uh, I can't remember it now, Toby. So. <laughs> Ruined it now. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember Will E came around for a video as well. And I was seeing all these YouTubers that I watch personally, like Cal Freezy and people like that, recording stuff about it as well. So in a way, were you like gassed that you're seeing these YouTubers that you yourself had watched throughout all these years making these videos? And they were actually talking about it in a positive way. Like obviously... They were taking the piss with it a bit, but they saw the funny side yeah. of it. Like, you know, it's just like a, a joke. It's They're not taking anything too seriously here. Yeah. Um, I feel, yeah, obviously my, my inner child was like, yeah, this is sick. Um, but I, when it came to like the, the Cal Freezies and the Cal, like Cody Co as well, those were the ones where I was like, oh, this is like, I don't even care, like, like, you can say what you want like it, it's just nice to be like you know to see that that was, that was great fun um will i really respect um that video was sick and i appreciate him coming over and doing that thing um he's always been so lovely and so nice but yeah obviously it's a bit weird to to be experiencing all that so then are there these youtubers within the community that now you see their content and you get inspired by, you think into the future, you know, like, even though you said when you're 27, 28, you want to completely go off social media and completed it. Do you take any inspiration from these sorts of YouTubers and you still strive to act in certain ways and produce content that they do? Like, to be honest, no. Um, like, obviously I watch these content and I'm like, I get inspired because the content is so good. At the same time, I don't really watch a lot of YouTube. I think that's one of my problems as well. I'm, I don't watch a lot of content. Um, so I'm just aware of like what my inner circle are up to. There is a, there is some content creators that I do look up to and be like, oh, like that video is insane. But I don't know, I just, my headspace with YouTube is very distant. Um, so yeah, and I feel like it's the same with anything. If you don't watch YouTube as much, the content you create is going to show that. So it's like almost revising. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Because you're on YouTube so much, it's been your life. You kind of want to take a break from it. Like you don't want to watch content all the time. Otherwise, that's going to be so mentally jarring for you. And you're constantly acting as if you're revising for a test. And you're thinking, oh God, I need to do that next time and everything. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I just feel like sometimes... Because when I do YouTube, as I said, you've got these other things to focus on. I don't want to go and sit and watch YouTube, but I do. Watch, I mean, I do watch YouTube, but there isn't that one creator that 
I aspire to to be similar to. If that makes sense. When you when you post a video, do you kind of do you go away from it for like an hour, or do you constantly check the views? Because I know we're when we first posted our our podcast for the first time, we were like refreshing it the whole time. Yeah. For like yeah, yeah. the first half an hour. I know it's pretty sad, but let's be honest, we did that and um, it, it went pretty well for us. But yeah, are you are you kind of the same still? Oh mate, like the thing is, I get exactly what you mean because I do the same. I think I always check, but the thing is that with me now is, there's a I I don't know. I feel like it's a lot of pressure. Like, I uploaded last night, right, and my video was ten of ten, which basically means it's like the the worst performed video, at the last ten I've made. And then you you do sit there and you go, oh I can't look at this. I can't look at this. I don't want to even be on my phone. And then you go to other platforms and you're like, I don't even want to go on there. And then, but when it does well, I'm like, I'm on it every 10 minutes, which is really scary. And that's one of the things why, as much as I'm like, I need to stop doing that, it's my, it's what pays, do you know what I mean? I need to be, and I think that's the part of the job that I don't like being involved with is when it can actually, it's very de mood dependent. So, yeah, I get exactly what you mean. But it's, I have, yeah, I do, I do check every 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And are there any like, keys to your videos? I remember you told me that, you know, tags can be quite important in making sure that your video like, goes out to a lot of people. So is there a lot of stress around the uploading of a video? And then obviously, like you just said, when it goes wrong, you're just like, oh, that was awful. Like, well, not, not all for nothing, but. Yeah, yeah, it feels like that though. It does feel like that. and. The worst thing about YouTube, and I always say this, you could have the best content, the best content, and it's important to have the best content because eventually it will pan out, but everything is dependent on a title and a thumbnail. And then it's like, do you know what I mean? What, what's the content for at that point? Like, if I, most of the time, you could have the best 10 out of 10 video, but title it or thumbnail it wrong, and it's just not gonna get seen. And that's the stressful part. You'll spend hours on a thumbnail. What, like a, like an edited picture. Like it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a bit mad. I was gonna ask on the kind of YouTube scene, is there kind of one like most memorable day maybe where you met a YouTuber that you'd been a fan of or kind of your biggest video at the time, like one memorable day for you that really kickstarted it? Well, as in just kick-started like the... Well, not like kick-started it, but it could be at any point in your journey, but your most memorable day as a YouTuber. Probably when I hit 100K, I think that was like the biggest thing. I was in Ayanapa as well, and it was, it was during pre-drinks. Um, so I just remember that feeling. That I think that was the, the biggest, biggest thing. Because um, it's, it's just that one thing that when you start creating content, you, you just... Do you know what I mean that that seemed to be like the the thing to do, but yeah, I think that day was just was big, but but since then it's just like oh yeah. I was gonna ask um about relationships within YouTube and how the public eye can change personal relationships you've had because I know in the past you've had a public relationship where all of your audience know about it, but then you've also had ones where you keep more private. How come you kept some of them private? Wow. Um, 
Now this is a good question, Toby. Uh, <laughs> so, it's not always... Right, so every person that I've like been in a relationship with don't mind being posted out there, okay? But the problem with how I see it is, from my experience with a public relationship, it's not just you two building a relationship, it's your relationship with hundreds of thousands of opinions. Um, so when, even if you've got the best relationship or a friendship with someone, if you see loads of comments being like, ah, oh, I'm not sure if they're all right together, or then you're just, you just sit there like, ah, oh, and it makes you actually question like who you're with. And I feel like when you're a lifestyle YouTuber and you show so much of your life, then there is certain parts that you you need to keep offline. Um, so yeah, relationship-wise, I've just kind of decided to keep everything less shown um, because one, it is selfish because also I, I don't I don't want other people to know what I'm doing. But when if that relationship was to end, etc., it's just hectic because it's. You're not just dealing with that, you're dealing with having to explain it. Like, for what? Like, what are you trying to explain? Like, yeah. But yeah, relationships are a sticky one. The thing, if you didn't feel like you wanted to explain it to your audience, but because they've become so engrossed with it this whole time, you almost feel like you have to in front of all these people, but you might not want to, so that must be really tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit mad. It's... Mm. It, it puts a lot of stress on it because it's also as i said like everybody nowadays wants to be this influencer and that like, even the thought of that makes me feel a bit ill um so you never really i don't have the the biggest platform like around me like do you know what i mean i'm not saying it like that but at the same time you never really know people's intentions and i've, I've seen it visually multiple times where you know, you're with someone and then you're like, oh shit, like, but they want this and they want that and they're asking for this weird things and it's like, oh, okay, maybe they're not into me like I thought they were. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a bit weird, but we, yeah, single for, for a while now. Has that been the same with kind of friends maybe from school or college that have kind of come out of the woodworks and asked you to, for stuff or to meet up or anything? Asking to do uh... a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, all the time. Um, nah. I feel I feel like I I was very lucky to have like everyone around me at school was supportive of it then. So I kind of know who those people were if that makes sense. You do it's more it's more the people that I met at a party once or twice when I was like sixteen that have now got a jewelry jewelry business and do you know I mean they they don't follow me but they'll ask me to uh you know please can you do this and do this and do that for me and it's like oh like i haven't spoke to you in like six years um but yeah oh millie's coming in i'm just doing a podcast doing a podcast no way you've got dominoes quickly can i question for her <laughs> wish me luck just doing a 10k calorie challenge have fun, yum yum. Yum yum. I am not joining again. Have fun. There we go, it's Millie T. Millie T, everyone. Can I just um, pop to the loo really quickly? Sorry. Yeah.
Well, I've got yeah. a question anyway. Um, has that also, like, like what you've just said, does that also come into play when you think about if girls start approaching you? Are you thinking, oh, are they going about this with the right intentions or are they literally just seeing my audience and thinking, oh, I can show off to my friends or whatever? Bro, let's be, let's be real, let's be honest, okay? Half the girls that DM me on Instagram or, do you know what I mean, or are very forceful, if, if I saw them face value on the street, they wouldn't bat an eyelid. They wouldn't bat an eyelid at me at all. I know that. Like, do you know what I mean? You get these, these 10 out of 10 unreal looking girls that are reaching out wanting to do this or go for coffee or meet or do whatever. But I know if I saw them in the street, they just wouldn't look at me. So then <laughs> when you, but when you've got that, no, but like I'm being like gen, generally just honest, like when, when you deep that, um, it does make you think, oh shit, like, do you know what I mean? Does that make you feel a bit more lonely then, with, with that in mind? Because you, even though they might be really nice, really into you, whatever, you're still thinking on your mind, like, oh, I don't trust this person. Yeah, because they don't know, as I said, the character thing. They might, do you know what I mean? If they're like, oh, I, I love you, I love you so much, or whatever, they don't, they, they, they don't, they love that, that character that's an extension of my personality. That's not, that's not me. Can you see where I'm coming from? So it's, the intentions do go a bit like, oh shit, I'm not sure. I think for now it's just best to, yeah, it is lonely. Yeah, 100%. But at the same time, I, I'm surrounded by other creatives and other people in the industry that are going through the same thing. So, and like, because um, you said your audience is 91% girls, they might feel a bit malicious towards girls if you break up with them. Are you worried they're going to offload a load of hate towards them as well? It's not fair. It's just not fair. Like, uh, it, yeah, especially if you're dating someone that's out of the industry, I felt like trying to trying to sort that out and like, oh, it's just too much, man. It's, it's too much. It's just everyone's got an opinion. And I feel like, yeah. I don't know, but when you, yeah, it goes back to that whole like intentions and like, you never, but this is it, I'm not sat here saying, this is all off like, like actual personal experience. This is not off like, oh, but like girls like message me and that. It's more, yeah, like it's just not been fun. Well, hopefully in the future, it'll be fine. Like you say, when you're in, off your social media or whatever, you won't have to worry about any of that in the future at all. I can't wait, mate, I'm gonna get, flip-flops and just move to like a mountain somewhere <laughs> flip-flops to the mountain yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's gonna be me that's gonna be i me. think that's our plan for next year as well after uni we're going off together flip-flops yeah mate let me know where you are i'll, I'll, I'll come out somewhere in asia somewhere in asia it just sounds great doesn't it like no phone like i'm looking outside and i'm just like i'm so done with this place <laughs> yes it's rough, mate, it's rough. What's kind of the first thing you want to do after lockdown ends, Spencer? D yeah, disappear. I'd, um, I just should be in Dubai with everyone else. No, um, it's it's like, yeah, I think it would be to come first come back, see family, etc. Because I'm unable to do that right now. Um, and then just get away. So hopefully just like bulk film loads of content and then just kind of have that little little break. Because I feel like we're all on our phones, like even if you don't do YouTube or whatever, like 
I think a good disconnected break is deserved for all of us. And speaking of Dubai, have you thought about Love Island or been contacted by them at all? Love Island? Well, as in, yeah, I actually, this time last year, I got asked to go on in the summer. <laughs> it's not for me. It's, yeah, it's not for me, mate. Like, it's not for me. Um, nah. It's, I, you know me. I, yeah, I, I, I just wouldn't fit in, mate. I wouldn't fit in at all. I don't think our like the Southwest boys have had a great rep on there really with Ollie, um, getting kicked off pretty much straight away. So yeah, mm. I think you should go on. I don't know. We'll see how. Yeah, we'll see how the career goes. Did you know any of them like personally? And like, do you? Because obviously, lots of them try YouTube as well. Like, do you actually know them personally and what they're like off camera? Are they completely fake or are some of them like genuine? What Love Island? And, like, do you know any Love Islanders? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I know a few, and just off my personal experience with them, I dislike them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll always meet people, and you know, I'll always be how I I'd like to receive. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I I'm not going in there and being like, oh, like all like this, but. The, the way they act and the way they interact and the way that I was spoken to and the, the things that have happened, it's just not, just different, different humans, really. <laughs> different breeds. <laughs> different breed of, uh, yeah, I have no idea, no idea what that is, but. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's all my questions oh. that I've got. I feel like we've covered some really good topics in there. I've, I've learned a lot personally from this, sure Billy has as well, yeah. Yeah, no, thank thanks you. for your honesty and your time as well, because I know obviously still a busy man, even though we're in lockdown and everything. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. Mate, thank you for having me. It's nice to be able to come on. You know, I've been a fan of the show now for since it started. <laughs> um, yeah, mate. No, I'm excited. I'm excited and I appreciate the opportunity to come on and just chat a bit further about what's been going on, really. And yeah, I appreciate the questions. Smashed it. Smashed it, boys. Thank you very much. Well, um, be sure to like, comment, subscribe if you want to. I'm not going to force you to. But uh, thanks very much for watching, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Make sure you subscribe.